Hi, and welcome to The Gene Space, where I go on about creativity, writing, music, life in an autistic household, and various other things that catch my attention. Enjoy the show! A few days ago, we found piles of sod and a rough rectangle cut into our neighbor's yard, around the approximate location of the pool they've put up for the past several summers. It was actually a couple of pools, starting with a little kitty one that held maybe a foot of water, eventually upgraded to a circular one about eight feet in diameter, holding about three feet of water. The second pool had been a big hit, providing the neighborhood kids with many hours of enjoyment, but it had also left a circle of wasted grass. I thought they might be putting fresh sod in to repair the damage, while Dave was of the opinion they were getting ready to install a new pool. Of course, Dave was right. Nancy herself confirmed it. It was about eight on Saturday morning when we spoke. I was heading out for a walk while she was taking a break from having shifted sod for an hour to provide a level surface for the new structure. Nancy is a machine. This pool, also an above ground one, would be bigger, something like six by nine feet, or maybe it was nine by 12 feet. All I remember for sure is that one of the dimensions was odd and the other even. A better fit for her grandson, who's now 10 and almost as tall as Nancy herself. A tree service was due later in the day to lop off some overhanging branches. Sorry, there'll be a bit of noise, she said. I assured her I'd barely notice. Of course you guys are welcome to come for a swim anytime, she said. I thanked her for the invitation and promised to pass it on to Sonny and Dave, who enjoyed the pool several times last summer. I would be admiring from afar. I'm not that much of a pool person, I explained apologetically. This of course was no surprise to Nancy as we've lived next door to each other for 13 years. I've admired the previous pools but never indulged. It might be genetic. My mother, who was the person who took myself and siblings to the pool, rarely went into the water. She brought along a book and a big hat and got herself a spot in the shade, if at all possible. Sometimes she would dangle her legs over the pool's edge. We lived in the south, where summers are scorching, but we swam rarely, maybe two or three times a season. There weren't a lot of pools around, just a heavily chlorinated city facility, crowded and joyless, and a pond with boardwalks and diving platforms and water that smelled weird, plus the Atlantic Ocean two hours drive away. There weren't any houses with backyard pools in our neighborhood until I was a teenager, and the Abernathys three doors down got one of the round four-foot-high ones. Boy, did they become popular. When I was nine, I mastered the basics in swim class at the YMCA, but I never felt comfortable more than a few yards from the shallow end or a wall. That wasn't a problem at a man-made swimming pool. At the beach, different story. My mother would spread the towels and crack open Catch-22, or one flew over the cuckoo's nest, or four quartets, whatever she had in her bag. My father would take a short swim in the ocean and then play frisbee with us at the water's edge. I ventured at most shin deep, fascinated by the moving sand under my toes, hypnotized by the horizon, wary of the waves that tried to pull me towards it. What I wanted to do mostly was back up a comfortable distance and look at the beautiful water. I still enjoy doing that. 
What's more satisfying, more stimulating to the imagination than the sight of water in a pretty container, whether it be a vase, a pool, a pond, a lake, or the earth? I spend more time than I should looking at pictures of pools, imagining myself in the shallow end of one of the decadent rooftop infinity pools of Dubai or Singapore, gazing out over the city, wondering whether that extravagant home pool with slides, waterfalls, and a dining table built into the shallow end is on Airbnb. And the colors in and on the water, the dreamy reflections of hills and trees, the million shades of blue. I heard on NPR once about water and sky making each other blue, which turns out to have been wrong or some kind of misunderstanding on my part. NASA says water looks blue mostly because of the way it absorbs certain color frequencies, and the sky is blue because of the way blue light waves, which are the shortest, scatter in Earth's atmosphere. With the second June heat wave upon us, we're heading for the hottest June yet recorded in my area. I'll be cheering on every bit of progress Nancy makes to put a bit of blue water next door. I might even take her up on the invitation dangle my legs over this edge sometime. Thanks so much for listening. You can read this podcast as a blog on my WordPress page. There's a link in the description box. If you'd like to support this show, that would be awesome too. There's some buttons. Until next time, be well.